You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in to another edition of the Locked On Pacers podcast, where we, of course, talk about the Indiana Pacers as always. My name's Tony East. I cover the team for Forbes and the West Side Community News. And today, the Pacers get a chance to redeem themselves after falling all over their, their themselves and their team and their performance in, in Miami and getting embarrassed by the Heat. They get to play the Houston Rockets, chance to get back on track. And the Rockets are 10-21, and 21, which sounds bad and like an opportunity for the Pacers to win. But the Pacers themselves are 13-19, and 19, not looking so high. And joining me to talk Rockets, talk about this game, where these teams are headed, and something interesting in my head, they're kind of comparable paths maybe that the Pacers will be on soon. Mr. Jackson Gallon from Locked On Rockets. Jackson, how you doing, man? What's up, Tony? Always a pleasure to be able to join you on this podcast, man. It's always a good time. The Rockets play in an hour, so Jackson is gracious enough to be talking to me before the Rockets take on the champion Bucks uh, in a game that will feature lots of people that no one's ever heard of, as many NBA games are these days as COVID protocols run wild. But the Rockets... I don't think their record tells the story of their season at all. They were 1-15, 1-16 to start the year, and then they won a million games in a row, and they got some guys back, and uh, Jalen Green got hurt, and now they're kind of up and down. But even still, when their win streak ended, they've been about a 500 team since that ended. So they're, I think they're much better than 10-21 and 21 suggest, but I don't know how good they are. Give me like a state of the Rockets. How good are they kind of playing right now? And how healthy are they? Because every time I watch them, six different players are playing. <laughs> well, I think right now, Tony, is this Rockets team was a team that started the year and they didn't have an identity. They didn't know what they were trying to be. They were, you know, running out the this double big lineup with Christian Wood and Daniel Tice, and they were determined to try and make this lineup work because they just committed a long-term deal to Daniel Tice. And even though it was readily apparent, you know, five games into the season that that lineup was not making it happen, they had to run it into the ground to make sure, you know, against all odds that that, that pairing was just not going to work. And then when they pivoted away from that pairing, that's when the win streak started. That's when they moved Christian Wood to the five and suddenly all this spacing was there on the floor. We saw about 11 minutes of Jalen Green against the Chicago Bulls in that first game of their seven-game win streak. And things looked really, really, really good. Jalen Green looked really explosive in that game, had tons of space to operate. KPJ looked really great. And across that win streak, they've basically stuck with the majority of those games, even even post-win streak. uh, They've been about a 500 team. They've done relatively well. They've stuck with largely the single big lineup, Christian Wood at the five spot, which is his natural position. And now the team is kind of falling back into this identity that I thought they were going to have coming into the season, which was a really fun, explosive offensive team and a team that looks largely like they have no idea what they're doing on defense most of the time. And that's kind of been the case over these last probably like five or six games or so. Even with guys in and out of the lineup, you're starting to see some of those principles offensively stick for for what Steven Silas wants to achieve. And it feels like the team is finally taking ownership of what their identity is going to be the rest of the season. Yeah, I remember two things I want to say about that. I remember early in the year, a lot of comments when I would read about the Rockets and listen to you talk about the Rockets of like, is Steven Silas in over his head? And, you know, what's this team trying to be? What are they doing? And I, as soon as they went away from the double big, all that went away because I think he he has a way he wants to play. But they also said, hey, Daniel Tice, if you come sign here, you can start at center for us, right? Like the stuff that always happens in free agency. And then they got 20 games in and they go, wow, we should not have said that. So they pivoted and they look a lot better. 
And you also just unintentionally did music to Pacer fans' ears when you said they split up the double bigs and suddenly they were twice as good of a team, if not way more than that, because they've been crying out, most of my listeners have, for one of Turner and Sabonis to start and not the other for years and years and years. And maybe it's finally headed that way. But, you know, to see the Rockets go through that, especially with a dynamic player like Christian Wood, who every time I watch the Rockets, I'm always like, and he is just such a driver of their success. He's such a fun player to watch. I'm always like, oh, wow, that works. So the, the Pacers can probably look at that and go, maybe we should try that. We'll see what direction they actually end up heading. We'll talk more about directions of teams later. But I think that's very interesting. And the Rockets have been so tough for me to get a read on. Like last week I watched the Rockets. Who did they play? They had like half their team out. The Cavs. I watched Rockets-Cavs last week because I had locked on NBA that night. And I was like, wait, I thought the Rockets were really good right now. And I know half their team was out. All their vets are out. No Eric Gordon and no Christian Wood. But they looked horrible in that game. And then you watch them a couple nights later and you're like, oh, they won again. So hard for me to get a read on the Rockets and especially hard for me to get a read on how they'll look against the Pacers because, as Shams Trania reported, Jalen Green's coming back finally. You mentioned his seven minutes without the double bigs. But what has he been like as the number two overall pick in the pros so far? What? What element to the Rockets will he bring in his first game back if he plays that much on Thursday? Well, I think that it's going to be, there's going to be an adjustment period, right? Any player who misses a significant chunk of time, they're going to come back in. They're probably going to be a little rusty. Um, you know, hasn't been getting the live game reps, all that kind of thing. I think there's been one factor in Jalen Green's absence where he's been, you know, the, the Rockets' success has been attributed to Jalen Green not being out there, which I think is just the, one of the most ridiculous takes ever. And anytime I see it, I have to push back on it. That has not been the case. Jalen Green is going to come back and he's going to, Steven Silas has already reiterated, he's going to come back. He's going to start. He's going to be back in the rotation. No qualms about that. They're not going to like ramp him up and, you know, bring him off the bench or anything at first. He's going to come back and provide an explosive offensive presence, right? And I think that the brief glimpse that we saw with Jalen Green against Chicago Bulls, he finally had open driving lanes and he had an open floor plan to finally work with, with Christian Wood at the five. And he looked damn good in those minutes. And I think that's the really exciting part for Rockets fans is we've seen how much this spacing has benefited guys like Eric Gordon, how much it's benefited guys like Garrison Matthews, who was you know, on the scrap heap of the G league before the Rockets picked him up and then made him a somebody and have now signed him to an extent, you know, a long-term NBA deal because he's played so well in this system that the Rockets have created seemingly starting back on November 24th, just before Thanksgiving, I should count my, my Thanksgiving blessings that that's what <laughs> happened. But Jalen Green's going to look significantly better than he did in the opening stretch of the season. That's not to say that he didn't have some impressive performances even then, but so many of his buckets and so many, so much of his success came, you know, in areas like in transition or just, you know, off of really tough, like shots that he was creating for himself because he didn't have that open spacing to really work with offensively. And so I think that's the biggest issue with that double big lineup is it wasn't just hurting the numbers for Christian Wood, for Daniel Tice. It wasn't just hurting the, the guys in the front court. It was hurting everybody offensively. Kevin Porter Jr. looked like he was struggling at times to create for this team. Could he really be the point guard of the future for the Rockets? Debates like that were kind of rising up, and then it all kind of culminated. And then when, we, when the Rockets finally moved away from that, then we got a glimpse into what some of these guys were truly capable of with a properly spaced out team. And unfortunately, Daniel Tice caught a lot of flack for that. So, Is Jalen going to be better than Cade? Ooh, <laughs> I think that those two guys are both going to have very – I mean, like, if you're asking me who's going to be the better player right now, I, I honestly can't say, right? It's way too early. Um 
I think they're both going to have really, really strong NBA careers, but I can say that about any of the top five guys. I mean, I'm really high on every single one of them. Evan Mobley, Scotty Barnes, Jalen Suggs. Like this is, I've said it multiple times before and I'll say it again. This is one of those NBA drafts where you're going to look back and you're going to be like, this draft has the chance, the potential to be a draft a la like the 2003 draft with LeBron, Wade, Bosh, Mello, like all those guys, right? And so I think we're going to look back in a few years on this draft and be like, yeah, this was kind of like the second version of that. Yeah, I, I've been impressed with Jalen a few times I watched him and also very unimpressed a few other times. But you mentioned that he was really up and down early in the season and he's a rookie. I'm like, I'm not expecting him to be awesome right away. I did fortunately watch uh, Houston Boston earlier this season. He had 30 points. So I was like, oh, he's obviously going to be the best player of this draft class. I also caught a few stinkers from him as well. You mentioned that say, whole I, game. I will, uh, I will just throw it in there. Oh, go it, ahead. It, sorry. Just to squeeze it in there, the one knock on him, right, is his shot has been inconsistent. And, you know, that's that's been the main staple of his game where if he if his shot is falling, he looks like he's going to be a future, like, all-NBA first-team type player, right? And then if his shot's not falling, but there's historical evidence there, his time in the G League, his time before that, he hasn't been, like, a career, like, sub, like, 30-something percent three-point shooter. The shot is there. The form looks good. There's not really many questions about it. I think it's going to come around over time, so... Just to throw that in. I just froze when you said time in the G League, and I was like, when did he play for Rio Grande? Before I, for, I always forget the Ignite is like a thing. You know, the Patriots didn't draft the Ignite guy, so I, I, I watched Kuminga a little bit, but I mean, I didn't watch hardly any Jalen Green tape because the Pacers picked 13. I forget he played in the G League last year. Yeah, yeah in, that, in that limited stint before the injury in the Bulls game that you've been bringing up, 11 points in 10 and a half minutes, two rebounds, one assist, shot 80%, only missed a three. I mean, if he can be that again and. I don't think you would even expect him to be that good right away. But if he can get to that point pretty quickly as the team kind of figures out their identity and how they want to play, that's huge for the Rockets and a little more dangerous for the Pacers. But speaking of the Pacers, let's talk about how they can fit in this game. But Jackson, you know who I want to talk about first? The good people over at Prize Picks. You've been hearing about me telling you about them for months. Have you signed up yet? If not, now is the perfect time because for a limited time, Prize Picks has an exclusive no-brainer of an offer. For all users, they get $50 for free if a player in your first prize picks entry scores a single point. But all you got to do when you sign up is use the code NBA. That's right. Exclusive offer for locked on fans. Just sign up for prize picks. Use the code NBA. And if the guy you pick scores one point, you will win $50. Prize picks also offers any prop you can think of points, assists, rebounds, threes made, you name it. They've got it. You pick two to five players and over under on projections. You can win up to 10 times on any entry. It's just you versus projected numbers. You can do flex plays with Pacers players, with Rockets players, whatever you want. Go to Prize Picks today or go to your app store, download the app. All users that deposit and use that code MBA again, 50% free if your first Prize Picks entry scores a single point. That's right. All users that deposit and use that code MBA again, $50 for free if they score a single point. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. Let's also quickly talk about Boost Mobile because you listen to podcasts for the power of the inside track on the Pacers or the Rockets or whoever you switch to Boost Mobile for the power of saving money because with Boost, you get the power of a free 5G phone so you can listen to the latest episodes and keep up with your favorite players and teams. The power of three unlimited data lines for 30 bucks a month per line so your family can share all the insights and the power of America's largest 5G network so you can do it all at the speed of 5G. With all that money you'll save and all that edge you'll gain, how powerful will you become? Switch to Boost Mobile and find out. Get a free Samsung Galaxy A32 5G when you switch to one of America's largest 5G networks. More power to save Boost Mobile. Disclaimer. Free phone limited to new customers and one per line. Additional restrictions apply. Offer and coverage not available everywhere or for all phones and networks. See BoostMobile.com for more details. Thank you, everybody, for making Locked On Pacers your first listen today. You know what I want you to make your second listen. That's Locked On Rock to hear how they did against the Bucks tonight, what Jackson thinks of this matchup, and Jalen Green's upcoming return. Huge stories 
in Houston land as they play the champs and their prize rookie is coming back. But this is a Pacers show after all. Uh, and I want to talk about how the Pacers can win this game because they sucked on Tuesday. That was their worst performance of the season by a mile. It was one of those ones where for a team that has the rebuilding brand thrown of them and a bunch of fans who don't like watching the team, they all point to it and say, this is boring. I don't want to watch us trade everybody. That kind of game. The Pacers need to respond. What do the Rockets stink at that the Pacers can get an advantage in to get that win that they so desperately need? You know, I think they're interior defense and their transition defense are probably the the two areas that are the most suspect um i think they do a really solid job of guarding from like the point of attack at times they've got some really capable defenders out on the perimeter you've got eric gordon you've got garrison matthews who has been you know coming in right i thought garrison matthews was just going to be your prototypical like three point like specialist type guy but no he like he hustles he plays hard no hard nose defense um at times Steven Silas has trusted him in big moments to guard the opposing best player back when the Brooklyn Nets were in town and the Rockets held James Harden to an absolute stinker in that game. Garrison Matthews was tasked with guarding James Harden down the stretch because uh, Jay Sean Tate had five fouls in that one. Jay Sean Tate is another guy who is an absolute dog on the perimeter um, as well as a, a decent interior body. But their biggest issue is Christian Wood as a defensive five in their lineup. And I think that's been the area where if this team has question marks about the direction they're going in the future, and yeah, Christian Wood looks phenomenal at the five spot offensively because he causes mismatches and he opens up the floor and he he's so versatile and can, you know, pick and roll, pick and pop. He can, you know, isolate, get his own, you know, post up against, you know, different mismatches, all these different things that he can do offensively. Sure. But defensively, like just the other night, the Rockets played the Bulls and they were openly okay with switching like Eric Gordon onto uh, Vucevic because <laughs> Christian Wood is not the best when it comes to guarding some of those bigger bodied centers in the league. Uh, now, I think against the Pacers, right, I, I would imagine that if the Rockets trot out the starting lineup that they've been trotting out, which is essentially the small ball lineup with Jay Sean Tate at the four spot, then I would imagine we're going to see Christian Wood matched up against uh, I would assume Miles Turner and then have Jay Sean Tate guarding Sabonis. Um, and then depending on how open they are to switching things, uh, you know, we might see Sabonis try and take advantage of wood down low. That's probably an area that the Pacers are going to look to exploit. And then as far as that, their transition defense at times has been just absolutely abysmal. Silas has talked about it. It's a young team, right? They sometimes let the, you know, the, the, calls or lack thereof on the offensive end get in their head where they're complaining you know not getting back not hustling back in transition that kind of thing and that's absolutely an area that the Pacers could uh look take advantage of as well and then turnovers is the last one uh this Rockets team did has done a significantly better job about the turnovers uh, as of late since they switched into the lineup where there's you know where you actually have to guard all five guys on the perimeter instead of just sagging off Daniel Tice um and packing the paint so that's been a nice change but um, they're still a young team. They're still prone to making some risky passes here and there. So, some passes where you kind of scratch your head and you're like, what was going on there? Um, but, you know, at the time, at the same time, sometimes like with Alper and Shingun in the game, you're going to see some passes that are absolutely mind blowing. You're also going to see some clunkers every now and so every now and again. It's going to be a fun chess match. I agree with you on the interior defense. I think the chess match part's going to be when Silas. Uh, has Wood at the only five, and Rick Carlisle trying to sub out Turner, so Sabonis is the only five, and then Silas going, wait, I want to get Daniel Tyson, and then they just sub back and forth for forever and try to get those advantage minutes because 
Sabonis has done well against Christian Wood his whole career whenever they get matched up. And Christian Wood's not young, but he's like less experienced, so he feels young. Uh, so a lot of guys, like young bigs, don't know how to defend post-ups because they don't have to when they grow up anymore because it's like not a thing that happens at youth basketball. So there are a few bigs that Sabonis just destroys with his post-ups, and Christian Wood has been one of them. But I agree that Tate is a big mismatch with the Rockets that will help them in this game. The Pacers have kind of struggled with guys like that forever. Uh, like like he's not as good as Mikhail Bridges and Ananobi, but like that body type has given them fits forever. So I think that it's going to be on the interior and in those transition moments where the Pacers say, we have the adults, we got this. But Brogdon's questionable. He's fighting the sword Achilles. If he can't play, Brad Wanamaker's been their point guard recently, and that has gone uh, horrible, terrible. I mean, I, what pick your favorite synonym for awful? I mean, the, he had a few okay games right after TJ McConnell got hurt, but pretty brutal since then. So they might not even be able to push that much. They push with anybody, though. So perhaps they can get that transition advantage. But I kind of worry that even though I would say on paper the Pacers have more talent. They don't have like a ton of really obvious advantages. Jalen Green's on-ball defense can be good, but every rookie sucks at defense. Like it's not his fault. He just hasn't played in the NBA for very long. He does have that advantage of playing for the Ignite for the for a year. Kevin Porter, same thing. Like he's okay at defense at times, but not always. So whatever guard, like Karis LeVert could be a guy who has a big game. I won't let you opine on on LeVert today, but uh, be, just because he has good matchups, but he has had some up and down play all year, as you know, and really stunk it up against the Heat. So. Uh, that's a, that's like the only guy I kind of feel like on the perimeter for the Pacers who can probe in the lane and make the Rockets pay. So this could be actually tougher for the Pacers matchup-wise than it looks given that they're playing a 10-21 and 21 team. Flip side, what kind of players have the Rockets just destroyed all season or have had no problem with that maybe other teams do have problems with? Well, I, I think from just a specific matchup standpoint, it's less so like you know, taking advantage of a specific matchup and more just who has actually really carried this Rockets team and kind of turned things around. And I think the the key piece here is going to be Eric Gordon. Um, he's a guy that at his best, which he has been playing at an elite level this season. And yes, I've said it is so, so much this season. He's going to push uh, a playoff contender over the, over the edge this season, like whatever team, decides to cash in their chips and trade for Eric Gordon at the deadline is going to be so ecstatic that they have because he, at his best, he is a fringe, you know, all-star level talent who can easily be like the third best player on a team really pushing for a title. We saw that with the Houston Rockets of old over these last few seasons with James Harden and Chris Paul and then James Harden and Russell Westbrook and Eric Gordon was right there for each of those iterations, even at times. Eric Gordon being a better player at times for the Houston Rockets than sometimes Chris Paul or sometimes Russell Westbrook because he's just that good of a guy. And so on the floor of the season, he has been absolutely the go-to guy for this Houston Rockets team. Ever since Kevin Porter Jr. was removed from the lineup with his quad injury, the Rockets have leaned heavily on Eric Gordon. And even though he's not a traditional point guard in that sense, he still can steer the offense. He can still get his and He's somebody that's just really, really hard to stop. Like if his shot is falling, the way that he is able to use his size and use his, you know, body to get to the rim and like shield off defenders and basically get whatever he wants at the rim or at least get to the foul line. Um, it's really hard to contain him. And if he has it going offensively, he kind of opens up other things for this Rockets offense. Unfortunately, things haven't looked as good for Christian Wood without Kevin Porter Jr., without a true like facilitator in the lineup. So Christian Wood has had to kind of struggle and fight to get his a little bit more. That said, he's still incredibly talented and can still get his. It's just not coming as easily as it normally does with a actual like true blue point guard in the lineup. Um, and you hit that point about Daniel Tice that I, that I wanted to uh, go back on. Uh, Tice has actually been getting a heavy amount of DNPs. 
And so wow. if if he doesn't start the game, like if Steven Silas doesn't opt to, yeah, we're rolling out the double big at the start of this game, which he's only used very sparingly since, you know, putting Christian Wood at the five spot. If he doesn't start with Tice, then I would re- reckon we don't see Tice at all in this game. And you talk about like the body type of like the Jay Sean Tate. I think KJ Martin is another guy on the Rockets bench who's going to check in and kind of play that those backup four minutes um, alongside Alperin Shingun, who's you know basically the default backup five for the Rockets, and that's going to be some mismatch issues depending on you know how long uh, Carlisle decides to go with the double big lineup because if you've got the double bigs out there but one of them is having to check Jay Sean Tate or KJ Martin, then that's an area that the Rockets are going to be able to exploit as well. Yeah, I agree with all that. Did not know how little Tice was playing. And and Eric Gordon could be like the swing player of this game. Like he was for the Rockets against the Hawks. He had 32 like a week ago. I only caught the second half of that. But phenomenal, phenomenal game for him. And his defense is so good that to go back to Levert, like if he shuts down Levert, I don't know how the Pacers are going to get in the lane that much. Like they, they just don't have ball handlers right now that can pass with Brogdon out and with McConnell out. So yeah, Gordon could be the swing guy. If he has a good game, the Rockets could have a ton of advantages and Gordon's the the maybe not the last vet, but you know the holdover from the Rockets of old era, uh, and that is kind of where I want to end this. Is looking at the Rockets' path to where they are now versus the Pacers' path to where they are now, and where these teams are headed. Because first of all, Jackson, you know the last time that the Rockets played in Indy, that James Harden, PJ Tucker, Demarcus Cousins, and John Wall all started for Houston. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, it's uh, it's been a whirlwind of a rebuild. Um, yes. Like when you when you talk about like stripping something down to the bolts and just like figuring it. I mean, Rafael Stone inherited a dumpster fire of a situation, and then in you know less than a calendar year, completely flipped it around on its head. And now the Rockets are you know have jump started an NBA rebuild, and you could argue that they have a. a you could argue that the Rockets have a more promising future than the Thunder who have been, you know, actively like tanking and trying to rebuild for a minute now. Um, And it's kind of, it's, it's interesting to be on this side of the NBA landscape, right? Covering a team for so long that was, you know, at the top, at the, you know, the, the peak of the, the mountaintop trying to kick down the door of an NBA title. But now to remove all those expectations and to just be down at the bottom working on rebuilding again, uh, it's interesting to watch these young guys develop on a nightly basis. I want to talk a little about the path chosen by the Rockets to get to where they are now because the Pacers might consider something like that next season. But before I do that, I want to talk to you guys all about Truebill because did you know that free trials often renew without your consent? It's a business scam out to get you. Don't let greedy corporations pocket your money. Download Truebill to take control of your subscriptions. Truebill is the new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions you don't want, need, or simply forgot about. On average, people save up to $720 per year with Truebill because companies make subscriptions hard to cancel. Truebill, though, they make it simple. Link your accounts. They'll cancel your unwanted subscriptions in just one tap, and they have a concierge there to help you cancel unwanted subscriptions. You don't have to. They have over 2 million users. They've helped them save over $100 million. Don't fall for subscription scams. Start canceling today at Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. Go right now. Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. It can save you thousands a year. Thousands. Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. So, Jackson, you may have to correct me as I monologue for a second here if I say something wrong. But I think I got this right. So, last year, Raphael Stone takes over for Daryl Morey. 
And right away, he, he he's making moves, right? Robert Covington gets traded for two firsts. That seems like a little bit of a teardown move. Then they trade Trevor Reza and some stuff to get Christian Wood. That kind of seems like a build-up move. Then the, the rush trade happened before that. But, they, you know, they oh, the rush trade happens, excuse me, in early December. Then they have John Wall. So that's kind of a neither move, right? For a while, when I analyzed what Rafael Stone was doing, pre-trading James Harden, it felt like the Rockets were retooling, which is kind of what I feel like the Pacers might end up doing. But then, after they traded Harden in the trade that the Pacers were involved in, where they got Depot and some other stuff, I forget exactly what they did, right? They signed DeMarcus Cousins last year. Like, that's not a tanking move. Basically, though, ever since then, you know, trading for KPJ, trading PJ Tucker away, right? Trading Vic away for stuff that expires also around the edges, right? All that stuff is rebuilding moves. And now the Rockets are here where they're near the bottom of the league. Do you agree that Stone tried to retool at first around Harden? And did you like that strategy? And now that they have rebuilt and stripped it down, something the Pacers probably will never do, how do you feel about that strategy and how teams kind of cut down the middle of those for a little bit? I completely agree. I definitely think the Rockets were at first trying to retool around James Harden. But if you looked at the moves that were being made, there was never like a full blown like, oh, we're going to bring in, you know, like, you know, trading Russ for John Wall. Russ didn't want to be here anymore. They also picked up a first for John Wall that later also turned into Alperin Shingoon. So it's like he was making these little moves to retool and move some things around, but also kind of straddling that fence of we don't know if we can convince James to stay or not. And these moves, right, Christian Wood could be looked at a retool move, but he can also be looked at as a rebuilding move because he's still on the younger end, right? They, you know, there was some untapped potential there. He's 26 years old. He's nowhere near like the wrong side of 30 or anything. And even as these, you know, younger Rockets are kind of coming to their own a little bit, you know, two, three years down the line, Christian Wood will be smack in the middle of his prime if they decide to keep him long term. So, yeah, they tried to retool at first. James Harden had his infamous you know, guys who, you know, you know, the situation's crazy speech, that whole thing gets shipped out to Brooklyn. Rockets bring back this, you know, swath of draft picks and everything. They also bring back Victor Oladipo. That in and of itself also was a sort of a retool move where they were still kind of straddling the fence. Next to Wall and Wood. Maybe they could be good, right? They won like six in a row right after that trade, didn't they? They did. And there yeah. was a there was a brief glimpse where maybe this team can actually be something where they're they're that they're that team that nobody wants to face in the playing tournament or one of the lower seeded teams. And unfortunately, Christian Wood gets injured, misses 17 games, and then that whole dynamic truly just kind of fell apart. Um so they were able to then pivot from that moment where, yeah, things are kind of getting out of hand. They go on the 20 game losing streak. They then started, you know, benching some of their vets. Eric Gordon couldn't play the back half of the season, all that kind of stuff. And they just, at that point, they organically pivoted and tanked. And then they were able to secure a top draft pick. Thankfully it did not convey to the OKC thunder, but yeah, this team didn't have aspirations to just go out there and put out a bad product and try to intentionally lose to garner a top draft pick, especially not in a year where they weren't even guaranteed they were going to keep a top draft pick. That that was the biggest problem is because of the pick swaps that they had traded with the OKC Thunder back during the Chris Paul, Russell Westbrook trade. They didn't know if they were going to keep their top pick. So that said, they figured, why not? Let's compete. Let's have, let's bring in a guy like Victor Oladipo who, you know, is a, you know, low risk, high reward type guy where, Hey, if it works out with him, he's been a, he's been a previous all-star caliber player, right? If he comes in and he can be some semblance of the Victor Oladipo of old, then yeah, like he's going to be a really great get and they could be a relevant team for this season and then decide in the off season what they want to do, whether they commit long-term money to him or, or what have you. And they were able to pivot away from all that. So I think that's something that 
you know, Stone doesn't get a whole lot of credit about for having all that flexibility in whether or not the Rockets were going to try and retool and be competitive on the fly with a John Wall, Victor Oladipo, Christian Woodcore, or go the direction which they have gone now, which is clearly a full-blown youth movement and, and a true rebuild, tear it all down, start fresh type thing. I think the Rockets did in five months what the Pacers will do very slowly over the next couple of years, which is try the retool route, right? See what we can do around what we have. We like the pieces we've acquired, right? Like, I don't know who's going to be the Christian Wood and John Wall in the Pacers scenario, but let's just presume it's Brogdon and Sabonis, right? I imagine the first couple steps for the Pacers will be similar to what the Rockets did right after they traded Harden, where they try to be good for maybe a year or so, see what they can do with a different core around their key guys. And then if that doesn't work, They'll go to the rock. Maybe, I don't know. The Pacers will never tank. Like their owner has come out and said, I don't want to watch it. We're not going to do it. We're always going to try to build on the go, whatever the hell that actually ends up looking like. We'll see. But I kind of feel like the Pacers might end up just because of the situation they're in having to go kind of the Rockets route just way more slowly. And I think the retool the Rockets did ended up working. And the flexibility is the key part of this that I think is going to be interesting to see how the Pacers handle retooling is like they got Oladipo who's on an expiring deal, right? So he could pop and give you a bunch in return. And he was awesome at first. It looked like it was headed that way. And then he got hurt a little bit and, you know, Wood was out, so they started sucking. But you know, that that is another benefit of retools. Like, you can move these guys again. It's not like you're tied into your new team forever. And so Is it I, weird I, that I feel like Brogdon is kind of like the James Harden for the Pacers in this aspect, where it's like he's going to... like that I feel like context guy. for the rest of my life. Please don't. <laughs> yeah, this is going to be awful. I'm going to get aggregated <laughs> to hell. No, I mean, I just mean like for, from like an age perspective and, and just, you know, just where his contract is at and stuff like, is he... I mean, I kind of view him as he's going to be the guy that maybe you have to potentially move to make a to make a move that is borderline retool slash rebuild like if you're talking about the rockets route where they're going to potentially bring in a guy that could go either way right where they're trying to have some flexibility brogdon 29 years old does he really is he going to stick around if they decide to go the rebuild route so i kind of view him as maybe like that first domino and then obviously this is something you and i have talked about over at locked on nba but right which is the domino that stays between sabonis and turner and that's been an ongoing discussion for how long now for the pacers like uh my whole life it feels like oh four (laughs) years but yeah forever yeah, Brogdon can't be traded this year, which makes that hard because I do kind of agree with your point. And the best player is the linchpin of any sort of team building strategium in general, right? Like they tried, they had James Harden. Like that makes this a little different because their reach was like, we already have one of the best five players at the time in the NBA. Let's build around that. The Pacers are not even close to that, obviously. But the words retool and rebuild, and the way the Rockets tried one and then immediately pivoted off of that is super interesting to me as I look at the Pacers who are staring at what do we do? There's so many rumors. Different people are saying different things. One of our centers has on the record requested a bigger role. Like, how do we reconcile all this? And I kind of want them to study how the Rockets handled it because that turned out really well for Houston. And maybe the Pacers won't go the route that Houston did with the organic, like you said, uh, tank at the end of the season where they just play their young guys a bunch. They just won't. Like, they have Rick Carlisle as their coach. Herb Simon doesn't want to see his team do that. They just won't. But they can at least get more young guys that that – cater them to the right place eventually that's what i kind of think they'll try to do in a rebuild but we'll see and i think the rockets are a blueprint to copy but we'll see i mean i have no idea what this team's gonna do i don't think anybody does <laughs> it's it's so hard to predict right like what like i mean we sit here and we're like studying and we're like analyzing these teams like five days a week and we're like yeah we think this is gonna happen and then like the opposite happens the very next day we're like well and we did our best we did our best to predict it right and sometimes uh, teams just go completely the opposite direction you think they're gonna go 
I study the cap. I know all the players and their contracts and I talk to them and the GMs and the owner. I've talked to every party and I still have no idea because everybody's saying similar but kind of different things, right? And so it's hard to, and some of it contradicts each other and some of it doesn't. It's like, what does this all mean? I have no idea. But what I do know is that the Pacers will play the Rockets tonight in a game that is kind of interesting. If the Pacers lose and they dropped a 13 and 20 and have now lost to Detroit and Houston in the same season with absolutely no offense to the Rockets, I think that could be a turning point for this Pacers season in their last home game before Christmas. You always like to win that last game before Christmas so those fans can see you win before they buy tickets for their kids or family or whoever. Big game for the Pacers. I think they can win. Do I think they will win? I can't predict them to beat anybody with the way they've played at times this season. So we'll see. Jackson, do you have any parting notes or things to share on your way out here? We didn't spend enough time acknowledging the Indiana legend that is Eric Gordon. But we apart from that, you're right. Um, you know, Eric Gordon has a pizzeria in Indiana. He does. Yeah, that's incredible. Have you ever eaten at it? I have not. OK, you should go just for me. I have a Do pizza that. place downtown I really love, which prevents me from going to other pizza places. <laughs> OK, well, on the on the ending of the pizza note, um, <laughs> I, I feel like that's as good as way to a uh, good way to derail this podcast as any. So I'm good. Yeah, check Jackson out over on Lockdown Rockets where they cover rebuilding uh, Jalen Green and Co. Squad if you want to hear about what a rebuilding team actually is doing. Uh, For those in Bloomington, go check out Eric Gordon's Pizza Place. For those listening, thank you so much. I'm on Twitter at TEastNBA. Jackson is at Jackson Gallon. And this podcast is at Lockdown Pacers. Tomorrow, we're breaking down the Pacers' last game before Christmas against Houston. Any takeaways, keynotes from that game, plus what it means going forward. So stay tuned for that. Hope everybody had a great day, and we will see you tomorrow. Tomorrow.